Hey, Stuart, how are you? Alok, how's it going, buddy? Very good. 24th of April, another week has gone. A week goes fast. Blink and you might miss it. Even, yeah, Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about where things are now. I think there's like a good quote we can start with. I think Mark Zuckerberg has been laying off even more staff. And because he, they're going through their year of efficiency at Meta or Facebook. And I think one key phrase he said is, we're in a different world now. Right. And I think that's I think that's a point to just reflect on because all of us, if we're in business, we started our businesses five years ago, seven years ago, even two years ago. And the world was a very different place based on COVID or cost structure or staff. And now in this AI first world or this cognitive first landscape, things have changed. And there's just one bit I want to kind of like touch about and then we can kind of go go into a bit more detail as we always do talking about a book which can actually help give some answers on this as well, right? So on the All In podcast, literally just from last week, um, Chamath and um, they, they were looking at funds and he was basically saying to himself, like, I don't know if I want to raise a fund now because before I would have raised a billion or whatever like this, but maybe I need to have a 50 million fund or smaller and I need to write lots of 100,000 checks or 500,000 checks or something because the cost structure needed to do a new business, a technology business, a startup has changed. You don't need 10 engineers, 20 engineers, if engineers can use tools like AutoGPT, ChatGPT, um, Copilot, other things like this. Even Amazon have come out with their own code version of it. So you don't need as much staff as much cost. So maybe, you you know, there's a lot more innovation that can take place. So I think this phrase of this different world that we're in now, and even companies that are looking to start now, because I think they were also talking about these companies which are at Series C, which is basically when they've done, you know, two rounds of funding beforehand, and normally some big investor puts in loads of money. And they were saying the Series C investment has literally dropped because no one wants to be putting in those big amounts of checks for legacy cost structure businesses. Like if you're a pre-AI business, they basically called you a zombie corn because like you're not going to go anywhere, right? Like, um, And so I think that that becomes quite interesting because it's all about now having a much lighter, leaner, more exponential organization. What, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. The speed of change and the ability – so even – had a personal experience of this even in the last week so we manage a pretty not massive but it's a, a number of podcasts for different people as part of the your podcast team brand that organization was set up mid-covid a couple of years ago or early covid i guess a couple of years ago and we had some exponential opportunities using some of the technology at the time and since then we've lost some and brought some on, but we're pretty much using the same setup. Our show last week, because it's kind of me and you doing it, I we did it pretty quickly. So I just set it up. First one I've set up for a couple of years, because usually I've got the team doing it. Most, Even looking yeah. at exactly, yeah. Yeah. You, you kind of put something in place, you kind of build that mechanism and then hand it off and move on to the next thing. So it's a little enlightening going back in and now I mean, probably it's only 18 months, but 18 months later, looking at some of the tools, which almost look like legacy tools that were cutting edge a couple of years ago. And some of the things that we were using for the show notes and the, the setup that we've done for this one, which have only been around for a couple of months now, I mean, that speed of change and having that different mindset 
So again, we're not a VC funded size for, for that project, but I can completely understand why people will be looking at investments and saying, this company was a fantastic idea 18 months ago, but now do I want to put another massive money into it? Not in this world. Right. So that speed of change and the what exponential means, and like I said, we're going to look at the exponential organizations, the book as, as a as a lens to kind of to, to judge it. But that was 2014, that book was written. So I think as we get into yeah. it a little bit, it'll be really interesting to see just how quickly that has changed. So that means the mentality of us as business owners, that is the thing that needs to fundamentally change. And it's very dangerous now to sit back on something that's worked even in the, in the relative. I mean, like in, in that, in the all in podcast, there was, they were also talking about like one guy that um, they said he was quite cutting edge in AI. He literally had spent six weeks training a model and he let go of like, you know, maybe like a, you know, I can't remember the exact percentage, but it was a significant percentage of staff, right? Like, uh, right. so it's not about letting go of people, right? We're just being clear, but the, the point is if, tasks can be done more efficiently through technology and don't have variance or quality issues, then your your team can be reallocated into other things. But it's become quite clear that like many tech companies and many employees were not doing so much, isn't you know, so I think I think this having this kind of like zero mindset of if I was starting again, would I do would I would I would I do everything the way I'm doing it now? And I think having that kind of like almost beginner's mindset of like okay. every 12 months rethinking everything in your organization because literally the tools and the possibilities are upgrading week by week. And it's not a question of like, just get confused, just make a cost saving and then, you know, theory of constraints go to the next constraint basically, isn't it? Right. right. You know, like I think, I think that's the framework. So exponential organizations is quite an amazing book, really. That came out in 2014 and that was the whole, that was about like the uberification of everything and like how to build these kind of like faster, businesses which are like they say like why new organizations are 10 times better faster and cheaper than yours and what to do about it um i mean let's start there right like um how does that relate to like small business because we had to, that's you know like 90 90 of the businesses in the world are like small businesses basically right, right. like so it, it, i think it's completely relevant but like i'd be interested in like, your your viewpoint yeah me too and i think i perhaps think it's maybe more relevant now to use as a frame to judge where we are against than it was when I first read it in, I was looking on, on Amazon and it popped up and reminded me I bought it in, I think it was February, 2015. So, I mean, eight years ago now, that's crazy. But I remember at the time reading it and thinking, this is a, I can see where this is coming from, but it's a bit like um, blue sky thinking you don't have the resources to, to implement some of those things, isn't it, right? Like, yeah, it was too big. All of the examples that are given are at big organization examples. So I think in the like book, they talk millions about, and all that kind of stuff. Like, you yeah, know, so, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was an interesting theoretical concept, but it was not particularly applicable or accessible as a small business right. owner. I think now there is that accessibility because some of the tools, it's easy to dismiss them as just big tools, like the label of big data. But when you think about, okay, well, what does that mean for a small organization? Eight years later, it's much more addressable. So a couple of the notes that I was taking, the book itself, if you haven't read it, is split into kind of two chapters or two sections. The first part is kind of describing what exponential organizations are. And then the second part talks about building an exponential organization. Yeah. 
Now that second part, the examples there, I remember going back, getting ready for the show. I remember at the time that was too big. It was very, it was big earth changing scale, which didn't yeah. really resonate. It's more like Waze versus like Nokia and like, you know, like, the, the, and like, if you're, you know, you're, you're a business, you're not going to be getting your app onto like millions of handsets. And it's just not realistic, right. isn't it? Right. Like, but I think, I think if we talk about the kind of like framework and then we can yeah. kind of like look at how it's relevant to, to business, because like, for example, this morning I was watching a video where they've, they've linked chat GPT to computer vision software, which basically watches YouTube videos and right. the chat GPT. So then the so let's, it was a picture of a panda, like a video of a panda, like lifting the arm up and stuff. And then it was some, the prompt said, what is happening in this video? And then ChatGPT looked at it through the interpretation from the computer vision saying it's the panda is eating bamboo. And it's like, why did the panda raise its hand to get bamboo? You know, to like, will it eat all the bamboo? No, it's unlikely to. And then it was like showing a lady doing yoga on a, on a roof. And it says, what's here? And it says like, it's a lady doing yoga and it appears to be on a roof. And so like, what makes you say that? Well, I can see the sky and I can see this part. Like, it, it you know, that's now. Yeah. And that explanation, its ability to explain what's happening, I think that is an element that isn't often talked about. Like a lot of the videos that you're talking about, the, oh, sorry, a lot of the videos that you see talking about the capability just talks about use cases and instructions going in. Some of them talk about as you're prompting, asking for confirmation that the system understands, which I think that's yeah. useful as well. But it always seems a little bit um, like the answer is always yes. I'm sure the answer wouldn't always be yes if it didn't understand, but in the examples, it's always yes. So, okay, what's but the value there? But here it was actually like giving more detail yeah, to describe. Yeah. And for us as, as people who are trying to interact with the system and understand what it understands, I think that's essential. So when you think about talking to someone in a foreign language, when you're just learning, going slow, taking bite-sized steps and making sure that there's feedback all the way, yeah, that is important. You wouldn't just blurb out a whole load of things that you learned and hope that the other person understood because you know as a foreign language learner there's probably going to be some misinterpretation there so it's easier to deal right. with that in bite-sized pieces so helping us as the ai language learner understand what's going on yeah very helpful um no so exactly so like so i think in in that in that framework there's a really nice image basically where it talks about on one side on the one side it's like ideas scale basically and you got your massive transformative purpose which is basically like what your vision is and what you want to you know dr dramatically impact and for the kind of like scale side of it like you've got like staff on demand community and crowd algorithms leveraged assets and engagement and like staff on demand is contractors basically right and using like you know these upwork freelancer all these different places have worked but now you've even got ai agents that could even do bits that contractors were doing before isn't it right you know so that that adds another element to it and then community and crowd we, we all know very well about you know like having forums open source communities i mean the whole ai movement is actually spun by you know auto gpt was a community project basically right you know where the, so that that was kind of like coming out in that way algorithms and leveraged assets i think were the ones where i thought it's inaccessible to a small business, but now it's not because the ability to essentially create your own, almost like your own programs, or your own algorithms, and like to make it simple, like how do you answer customer support emails? You've got your own templates already from all your hundreds and hundreds of emails that you've sent out. Now using different systems, you can actually use that as a fine-tuned data set 
So your emails would all automatically go through that area. I mean, that's huge to already have that bit coming out now. And things like an easy one. So a lot of people that, or as it comes up in conversation, this idea of algorithms confuses small or, or not so much confuses, but small business owners don't necessarily see the use case for it. So the one that I've used often is to just explain it or to make obvious how accessible it is, is kind of off the shelf sentiment models because people yes. always say, oh, big companies can build big algorithms. That's fine. But me as an individual business owner or small business owner, where does that come in? Sentiment analysis is an off the shelf product now that you can just Correct. upload the input and it gives an output or case by case, it will give an output. And that's very easy to understand. So you can imagine a scenario where the support tickets that initially come into your feedback channel yep. and then automatically go to sentiment analysis. So that either on a agent by agent case, you can just deal with the, um, the, the dissatisfied people rather than the happy people or at an organizational level, you can get that kind of metric or, or monitor of, of how much is happy versus how much is sad. So there's definitely off the shelf, more and more off the shelf models that become Completely. And you use Zapier, and, and, and like when we talk about like off the shelf, we're talking about like literally like Zapier is like you do require no technology. You understand? You just create the account, you just click which program you want to connect to which program based on what action, and then it's literally like if this then that, right? Like, uh, and then it just it, it just runs. You know, like uh, I mean, I, I for accounting a while ago, I made like the email that we get all our invoices to. I just made a zap where anything email with a PDF automatically saved into a Google Drive. And, and and that was the invoice, you know, like, and then the accountant just looks at those things. So it's, it's like completely accessible at like next to no cost now, you know, like in, in yeah. these sorts of, in, in these sorts of areas. And I think, I think that's, I think there's one kind of like idea that I'm, I'm looking at more and more is like how to go through a process. And I'm calling this tool, the process cognifier, where you're literally doing two things where you're looking at, you're really looking at whatever process, let's call it sales or customer support or whatever. And you're thinking in two parts, how do I make it better in terms of like, you know, more personalized, more engaging, more timely, you know, whatever through video, you know, sound, whatever like this, and how to make it cheaper. So how do I like, you know, automate parts of it or have it pre-packaged or pre-filtered to the doctor, the, you know, the doctor, the dentist, the, the, the customer support person spends less time. And I think that that two elements of like make it better, make it cheaper. You know, like you can you can literally just go through your whole customer journey in 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 yeah. that way. And, and then that's where you get into this whole new cost structure, which is the whole opportunity really here, isn't it? Right. You know, to kind of increase your quality but cut your cost structure and then you're going to be in a much stronger place basically, isn't it? You know, I think we'll stick the, the image that you were running through that exponential organization formula image from the book. We'll stick that in the show notes. I think that's, that's fair use. Um, and then we'll link to where people can get the copy of the book as well, obviously, but going through the bits that we're talking about, it'll just be easy for people to kind of see where they sit, but that point you're making about reducing costs, I think oftentimes particularly non-business owners, I guess we're mainly talking to business owners, so it's probably less of an issue. Yeah. But certainly when you see the news or hear people who aren't responsible for businesses talking about it, they see the bad side of staff yeah. reduction and, and think of cost-cutting as profit maximization. But the reality is that we're, I mean, particularly in the US now, so we're, I mean, we've probably been teaching on the edge of recession for eight, nine months or so, but we're 
I think we're potentially officially in recession, depending on how they change the definition yeah. of it this month. Depending on semantics. But, yeah, exactly. But that is an issue. So cost reduction isn't about profit maximization. It's I'm about survival. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's like you're hemorrhaging blood. You can't lose you can't keep losing blood if you're losing money. You can't just keep right. losing money, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maximizing uh, one staff position into something more automated. That's unfortunate for that individual, but if that means that the organization survives, then yeah, it's it's um, it's a necessity. So the, the 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 efficient use of capital into away from things that are manual tasks and repetitive. There's that saying: um, um, eliminate, automate, delegate in that yes. order, like eliminate what yes. you can using this as an opportunity to yeah. not only address it in an automation sense, but in an elimination sense. But and then it need to be done at all now, isn't it? Like, uh, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. How many of the things, even from a perspective of kind of the, the AI automation, when you think about AI, I can't speak, put my tongue back in. <laughs> when you think about AI automation, the initial thought I think for a lot of people is automating the manual tasks, the things that are already done by humans. But then when you get to the stage, you're thinking, okay, well, why are we doing that job for humans? So filing PDFs in an email, are we doing that because it's then easier for the humans to at a later date go back to, well, do we even need to do that now? I mean, I don't know how your mailbox looks, but mine looks horrendous because yeah, I yeah, never yeah, file yeah. anything because I just no, search no, no, no. for something and the robots I, in the email surface it. Agree. Like, who was I talking? Like, I, I, yeah, I remember like everything has kind of like changed in that regard. And I think the key thing is like, you need to kind of like relook at what you are spending money on and see where you could reallocate that to better usage and reallocate people who, who are creative and understand things into like rather than a repetitive task into something much more creative. And that's where that kind of opportunity is. And I think on the other side of the idea scale, we talked about scale, basically, like you have the interfaces, dashboards and experimentation and autonomy and social media, basically. So interfaces is just like ways of, inter of interfacing, but it could, it could be like chat GPT's interface, right? You know, like, so it's making it easier for people to kind of like do stuff, use stuff, or it could be a voice-based interface or having a dashboard about showing that, okay, these are all the customer support emails that came in today. How many of them are angry? How many of them are this? How many of that? You know, like, uh, and then same thing with experimentation, like, you know, like trying, you know, okay, let's send a video greeting message to all of our new customers this week and right. see, you know, does that change the perception or, or, you know, there's so many things you can actually do with less people. So you can actually do it quicker, basically, you know, like that, yeah. that's the kind of, that's the yeah. key thing now. I'm very biased towards Zapier because we've used it for many, many years now. Fantastic. And we use it pretty extensively. So there are other tools out there, but I wonder if maybe it's worth doing a, a slightly deeper dive on Zapier at some point in the future for those people who don't know it, because I think it's the most accessible first layer tool. So when we're looking at things like leverage assets is one of the exponential um the, the scale opportunities. So leveraging yeah. assets, this idea that you can have a system that takes the one source piece of material, but then creates several different things from it and then bundles that together and then sends it out of the door. So we are still doing this somewhat manually, I guess. It's, it's an opportunity for us to make a difference. So on the book business, so 90 Minute Books, our key 
asset that's created is the, is the book itself. And then from a design and a social perspective, it's the cover. Once the cover's yeah. done, that then feeds, it's the visual element that feeds into everything else. But from a leverage assets opportunity, to take that cover, to push it into one or two of the mock-up creation tools, to yeah. push it into mid-journey to create variations, yeah. to then pull all of those into a place and then have that place monitored to then send out an email. Having, illust- having more illustrations, right? So if, if, they, if they've got like a story type book where they're like basically, it's like a business book but they're giving a story well you could actually have illustrations as part of that that becomes additional right. service which can be done isn't it right you know yeah. and then and then the, the, then you've got like from that you've also got audiobooks we talked about as well isn't it right you know yeah. like uh, that that's that becomes like another thing because now with trained voice you can actually recreate that person's voice um you know digitally you know so you yeah. don't have to read out all the audiobooks or all the messages and it yeah. can still be done in the way you want it to be done, you know. Like, uh, I think, I think Within it's the I think, constraints. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think the key thing here is that like people just want a more personalized customer customer service experience. Like that's what everyone wants, and they want it as quickly as possible. So, if technology can help you filter it and help people focus on where it needs to be focused on, that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I think there's so many opportunities to leverage and streamline and scale. One of the things that's always interesting, and I think it's maybe, again, a personal bias, like so much stuff is, uh, because I don't engage that much on social media, I'm trying to get better uh, just in terms of a, a channel to market, but it doesn't come naturally. So slightly biased against it. This idea of the crowdsourcing element. So 2014, like you said, when the book was written, ways as a as a counter to um what was the big navigation like the back end navigation Waze? system and uh, not google what? the one that kind of sits sits behind it navi um okay, anyway, navi, it like behind, yeah mm-hmm. it was a behind the scenes one so most people wouldn't know the name but a lot of the maps were powered by it so this idea of that company going out and mapping all the routes individually and putting sensors on all of the routes to to deal with traffic flow. Like you used to see it in the UK all the time. It would be on every bridge, on the motorways, on the freeways. There was like the little radar sensors that weren't speed traps, but they were just traffic monitoring. Compared that with the crowdsource element of Waze, which is just the massive data going around. So 2014, that was a big thing around crowd and community is that idea at scale. But now when you take it to 2023 and the smaller scale element of it, so one of the things that always makes me think about small businesses being able to manage community is this idea of polarization. And particularly since like 2016, how managing a community and having a community manager and making sure that it doesn't go off the rails, it's very interesting but that's where something like, again, I keep going back to sentiment analysis, just because it's, I think it's the easiest way into an AI algorithm world. Having a social platform built into your environment to bring customers yeah. into the family, to make them feel involved, to give them access to you as the business owner, to give you a conduit to share your unique uh, perspective and skills and personality, but then layering in sentiment analysis so that it very quickly traps the negative or traps the trolling. Um, Same with Discord communities, being able to 
add in that extra element. So I think we start and off by... And before you'd have to have like someone who was like literally on call to catch the troll, right. isn't it, right? Like, uh, yeah. and, and now now you can have like, if a sentiment comes, if a comment comes in, which looks majority negative, it could automatically be like held, you know, yeah. so it, it just changes the allocation of attention really, isn't it, right? Yeah. You know? Which goes back to the point that you first started off with in the call when we were saying about it's a mindset switch now. So the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway, I think, from exponential organizations is not necessarily the nuts and bolts. Yeah, it's the mindset. And the fact that in 2023, that mindset, that need to adopt a learning mindset has only accelerated. So some things that you might have dismissed in the past as as too difficult or too time consuming or out of scope, now is the time to reevaluate those and think again about, okay, well, is it now essential and is it now achievable in a way that is, is, is something that we can actually do as an organization? Cause that metric has probably changed. Yeah. And, and the thing is that if you don't do it, your comp- competition, some, well, someone will basically, right. You know, yeah. so, so, so and faster, and then once- quicker and cheaper. <laughs> so, so I think, I think the, the key is like, having the time to kind of like rethink and so almost like document and think, okay, where are we kind of like slowing down, you know, like, and, and where could we speed up? And then from that, by applying technology to it, it automatically organize around cost, you know, improvements and, and that kind of thing. But I think the key thing you got to think about is like, how can you make it better with technology? Cause this technology will automatically make it cheaper now at the same time. Right. You know, yeah, like, I think, yeah. I think that's the, I think that's the kind I of like framework. Well. Kind of when I was Googling around for something last week, I saw there was a website that popped up in a search result is um, there's an AI for that.com. Um, so I always remember, again, probably 2014. So the iPhone, what was the iPhone? 2008, 2009. I think I got my yes. first one in 2011. And back then there was that website, there's an app for that. And it can, became like a meme. Well, now there's an AI for that. So whatever right. you're thinking about before you dismiss it, just search and there's almost certainly a project that's out there. I think, I think that's the key thing, really. I think like what we're trying to do here is that like, I think one one concept I came across is like to be more creative, you need to almost increase, they called it like, I forget what it called, but like it's almost like intellectual space. It's like the space of ideas and the number of disparate or separate ideas you've got in your head. And the thing is, the more you kind of get exposed to, wow, that's possible, this is possible, this is possible, then you you've got that you've got that space to move within so you can think that okay um you know i'm a small business i've got this and i want to do that and i need to manage this how could i do that well i could start with this part maybe it make maybe that saves half the time of somebody basically then they could help me with something else or do something else like whatever it is but there's i mean it's all coming i mean i I shared the other day that mcdonald's that's that was like from december 22 they were announcing it where it had no staff you know like no staff to you know, like, yeah. uh, and, 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 and so it's, it's all going that way, you know, like, uh, so, so I think the question is like, you still want team members to apply creativity to enhance things, but you need to be thoughtful about where you're going to allocate those people to really make the difference really, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Rather than absorbing all the creativity and energy in tasks, which you, the technology could do better. Yeah. Just as you said, it's not even so much that if you don't do it, you might be behind the curve. It's if you don't do it, someone else is going to. And if the organization could suffer if you don't make these decisions now to stay ahead, because it's not, uh, it doesn't, it's surprising how quick things change. So, and almost the, 
the speed of change doesn't capture it, but it's like, this is fine. This is fine. This is okay. This is okay. Now it's wrong and it doesn't work. And very it's like an avocado. It's like an avocado, basically. You've got like a... a, a <laughs> it's like, it no, like no, no, no. Yes. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like my studying as a kid in school. Too early, too early, too early. Perfect milliseconds. Oh, well, now it's too late. It's not worth it. <laughs> So so I think I think so I recommend people definitely just look at the EXO formula, which we'll put like on there with the visual, but then also like, you know, read the book, scan it and dig into the bits. But I think the key thing is now start thinking about like, you know, which which areas are you interested in and, and looking at it? And I think what we can do maybe in our next episode is we can start going a bit deeper, like you said, into actual, you know, an actual process and some actual tools. And 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 like what kind of improvements are possible from there, basically? Yeah, I think because it's definitely accessible by starting slow, and there is a window of time where you've maybe got a little bit of opportunity to start slow, but that right. that window is going to change, and I really don't know how short that is. I mean, yeah, just look at the last few months. That book, it's this has been an interesting exercise going back and looking at the book. I was reminded how when I first read it, it was too big and broad, but now taking it again and looking at the opportunities of which there are many, many more. So just that, that put a different pair of glasses on to, to look at it. Well worth it. Yeah. You put your exponential glasses on, right? When you, right. When you, when you, relook, yeah. when you look at your own business, but listen, yeah. great catching up with you, Stuart as always. And um, yeah, look forward to our next conversation. Fantastic. Look forward to it too. Uh, everyone, as you're listening or watching, check out the website, go over at augmentedideas.show because we will have the image that we were talking through and then the video of the recording here. And uh, shoot us a message. I'll put some contact details on the on the website, but if there's anything that you're struggling with or a particular thing that you want us to dive into, shoot us a message and we'll, uh, we'll incorporate that.